Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. We bring amazing Agilists together to share their ideas about agility in today's fast-paced world. We examine current Agile tips and practices with the goal of helping you become an Agile leader in your organization. Please be sure to rate and review us in iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at ryanripley.com. In exchange for supporting this program, we can continue to bring you great guests and insights from the Agile community. With multiple subscriber levels, you can help make this show even better. We want to thank David Larson, Craig Eddy, Harmeth Giandowski, Faye Thompson, Michael Blackwell, and Manuel Gomes for being new Patreon subscribers. We are always taking your questions and comments about the show via email at ryan at ryanripley.com and on the ryanripley.com website. Joining me today is Kim Brainerd. Kim, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm fine, my friend. How are you? I'm great. I think the last time we got to hang out was Agile 2017, right? It was. That's it too was. long. We can't have this wide gap and in, in not having conference overlap, so we got to figure this out. Absolutely. Wow, that is. It's quite a few months ago, so we'll have to uh, connect, and I think we're going to connect here shortly, actually. I think so too. So that'll be fun. We'll get to uh, to hang out. But for the audience members out there who do not know Kim, or if you're not familiar with her, so Kim is. Let me see if I can get all of your titles straight because you do. She's she's pretty dynamic. She does a lot. Um, agile coach, trainer, facilitator, uh, mentor. What else do you do, Kim? Uh, motivational speaking yep. and working with kids and nonprofits as well. So we have uh, some fun stuff to talk about there. Conference speaker, keynoter. She does it all um, and does it all really well. So it's it's a lot of fun to get to talk to Kim. I'm glad you were able to do this. I actually s talked her into giving up part of her Saturday. So thanks for that, Kim. Oh, thank you. It's your Saturday as well. Well, all right. So many of the listeners know I recently became a trainer with uh, scrum.org. So I now do a lot of the professional scrum courses and it's gotten me thinking about training. And so traditionally, you know, I, I like to do 
a lot of different things in my training courses, but to really keep things interesting and to engage the, le the learners, I've been looking into, you know, the science of learning, uh, ways that we can help people improve. And I thought I've got to get Kim on the show because she also does a lot with training from the back of the room. And so, Kim, for people who are not yet familiar with training from the back of the room, can you just give kind of the, the elevator pitch, kind of the synopsis, and then maybe we'll dig into some of that? Because I think it's a really interesting way, or it's a different way to, to provide coaching or training uh, to people. Absolutely. So training from the back of the room is brain-based training. And since we all happen to have a brain, um, hopefully we all do, it, we actually use that to incorporate into our training. And so we take the principles of training from the back of the room. There's the, the six principles, as well as we incorporate a, a training map that we apply. And it helps learners to become connected with the material. They understand by, by doing versus just hearing. Not every learner is audio, meaning they just they don't always receive that information by hearing it and seeing it on a PowerPoint slide. So when we're training, we really need to be cognizant of our learners, meaning if they are, they need to be doing things, whether they're seeing things, hearing things. And we also need to adjust our stance as trainers and do these things differently because we do find that different does trump same. You know, when you go into a meeting or in a training and it's the same old, same old, and you're just sitting there, Learners check out within the first 10 minutes. And so as trainers, we have an opportunity to give those learners an experience. And we do that through the principles and the four C's map that is learned when we do training from the back of the room. So what, can you go through the principles just real quick? I don't want to give away the whole workshop, but uh, or some of the – I think it's actually a book too, right? So, But some of the principles and then maybe just define the four C's because I – we're throwing out a lot of jargon and some people may not be aware. Absolutely. So let's first start off by talking about the one of my favorite uh, Trumps, and that is different Trumps same. And what do I mean by that? So when you apply something that's different, something that provides that shocking experience, or maybe not too shocking, but when we tend to think about things that are different, we tend to remember them more. And so when we have uh, something different versus that same old experience, our brains will hold that information and retain that. And so we want to, when we're, we're teaching individuals and you provide them with an experience that will help them retain in a different way, learners will then take that with them more. And so think about it, Ryan, how could you apply different Trump's same in your training? So right now, the scrum.org courses, it's a, it's a fun mix of, there's definitely some, there's slides that we do, there's activities that we do, um, there's a lot of leeway to do some drawings, to have people put post-its on a board and sort them in interesting ways. And so what I've tried to do is think about even the idea of, so you're also uh, a scrum trainer, and, and so you know tr teaching people scrum can be an interesting challenge, right? You can run through a bunch of PowerPoint slides about the roles, the events, the artifacts, some of the rules of Scrum, and, and everyone checks out in 10 minutes. And so mm -hmm. something I've been doing is I like to have uh, my classes teach me Scrum. And so I'll, yep. I'll draw just a skeleton of Scrum on a, on a wall chart, on a whiteboard, and just have uh, the three-by-five index cards of the, with each role name, each event, each artifact, and ask them where do these go and why. Yep. 
and how do they interact? And so I really don't answer any of the questions they ask. I just have them discuss it. And uh, it turns into, I mean, this thing, this exercise can go on for a couple hours if people really want to get super deep into uh, the interactions and the, and the roles and, and how all these things work, especially when you start mixing in scrum values and you, you kind of bring some, some value-based material to it. And so what I have found is everyone's engaged. There's a few laughs because someone will put the card in the wrong place and we talk about how that could be different. And so I, I have found that that has helped engage people. But um, so is that what you mean? Kind of different trumps the, the same? I, I am a little bit, but I also want to add what you just explained starts us off in the four C's map, meaning the first C is a connection. You begin to prime learners with a connection. It's what do they already know with that shared knowledge, especially working as a group of what do they know about Scrum? So they're priming, they're getting, you're getting an idea as a trainer what they know, and their brains are beginning to prime and connect with the content, content that you're teaching them. So going into our, our next Trump is movement. Uh, movement trumps sitting. A lot of times that we are, especially as we're, we're growing older and getting into our careers, we find ourselves sitting a lot. And if you ask most people, no one really wants to sit all day. And if we get individuals out of their seats and moving, that moving helps the blood to get pumping through and going into the brain. And when we actually even just have uh, our, our attendees in our classes get up and do something on a flip chart, whether they're writing, whether they're flipping pages, they're getting up and they're doing something. They're moving their arms, they're moving their legs, and they're actually retaining information because it's different as well. And they, they also kind of work in parallel together it, by getting up and doing exercises, moving into different centers. That movement will help retain that knowledge that they're receiving. All right, so we have different Trump same. Yep. And then we have um, people up and engaged. What was the right, the, the right C? It's, it's, we have connected and it's then we the have... the connection. Yep. The yeah, connection. we have that connection. And then where do we go next? Let's, let's actually get into talking. This is actually one of my, my favorites is... So most people don't realize that... In fact, I'd, I would, I'll even ask you this, Ryan. So think about it. What, what happens when the trainer does the most talking. Who do you think does the most learning? Uh, probably the trainer. And that is exactly right. So as trainers, we want to shift that. We want to get our, our attendees and, and those in our audience to actually do more talking than the trainer. And we do that by doing uh, activities such as what we call teach back. So we also can do that in techniques called interactive lecture. So if I'm just standing up there and I'm doing all the talking – oh my goodness, grab me a pillow and get me a comfy blanket. I'd be asleep if I was sitting in that chair. So let's get our learners up. Again, movement. Stand them up, pair up. Let's get them to do a teach back. Keep the segment short because shorter does trump longer. And so I just uh, introduced two more principles. We have that talking trumps listening. Again, we want to get those learners to actually start talking to one another. You can do that in a teach back, pair, share, as well as an interactive lecture. And then I also um, had just said shorter trumps longer. Keep it short and sweet. There is something truly valuable about that. 
Yeah. So in the in the courses I've been working on and doing, uh, I've been really trying to get people to, uh, well, not get not trying to. They we've been doing um, teachbacks, and so I'm a big fan of taking a topic, having people work in groups. I find that group work perhaps trumps individual work in some cases. Um, oh yeah. And uh, and they teach back some of the concepts we've been working on with their own twist or their own application. So not only are they taking the material they've picked up from the course, but then they're also adding in their context and then sharing it back out. And I found that that has really helped cement uh, some of the lessons and actually makes it relevant to them. All right. Am I doing this right? Does it make sense? Yep, absolutely. And then another technique that's really essential, especially when you're, I mean, and all of this will flow together. And that's why we have the four C's map. And you practice that through the two days in training from the back of the room. But if you think about it, you get up, you're talking to an individual, you're doing a teach back. There's something that's called six times six ways. And so as a trainer, we want to have and introduce something called six times six ways. We want to be able to teach it and have them do it six ways. So they're receiving that information such as you could stand up, do a teach back, you're hearing it then you're repeating it. You could also be writing it. And so we want to have six times six ways throughout the, your training. And that way the information is retained by the brain. So that's, that's really cool. So I, I've heard different principles. I think marketing, this comes into play quite a bit, right? So it takes seven touches before a brand is recognized. Or it takes, Absolutely. I think that's, a, that's an older rule. I think now it's a, a thousand touches based on the... The, just the speed of information now, but um, but yeah, the six times six ways. This is something that you know I had not heard before, and so as I think through the the course that I do, or the courses that I do, I've probably missed some opportunities here where uh, maybe we we cover things two or three different ways and move on, and it probably hasn't stuck as well as it could. So really, as a trainer, I have to sit down. And, and when I'm applying this to my to my courses, I really have to dissect the class, figure out the central themes, figure out some of the sub themes and really figure out how to reinforce those throughout. This sounds like, um, you know, more than just the more than just concepts. This sounds like it really changes the, the whole structure of a course. Oh, it does. But you do it subtly, Ryan. So um, let's let's take learning objectives as an example. Sure. So as a trainer. You want to ensure that the learning objectives are received. But a lot of times, the learners actually do not realize the learning objectives. Sure. And let me repeat what I mean. So an example would be, we want to have our learners read the learning objectives. So you give them a page where they, they actually read the learning objectives. Then, that's one way. Then they think about it. They take time and they highlight, let's say, their top two. So then they reread it again. Then you could have them go up on a wall where you scaled back the learning objectives and, and actually summarize them on a visual, like a visual chart, and have them dot vote. So they're actually oh. seeing the information again. Then you could have something like your learning backlog on the board. You could review that information. There were, we're already on four ways. Right. One, and then once you review the information, 
with them after the segments has been taught, have they received that knowledge? Check for understanding five ways. Then you could have your option at the end of the day, like a closing circle or a ticket out, where these are activities that learners collaborate and share what they learn that day. Six ways. So six times six ways all within one day. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And I'm sure by the end, if you actually did a check-in and said, what are the learning objectives, most of the class would be able to hit the top four or five and maybe something was then learned. That's really cool. And I... yeah. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. It was, you know, unfortunately, a, a lot of the, the training courses out there, um, it's really just a, a fire hose of information, right? Without a lot of thought about whether or not the students will receive it, retain it, internalize it, use it. Um, and so I, I like this. I've always been fascinated by by this thinking or this format of, of training. There's There's a trend that's come out of, or I don't want to take us too far out of the theory here, but there's a trend that's come out of training from the back of the room where there are you're starting to see trainers where they, they just say no PowerPoint at all, and they just draw every slide, right? Or they, they basically take their concepts and they draw you know on, on the flip charts. Everything's drawn, everything's uh, co-created. Is that something that's coming out of these teachings, or is this kind of a loosely associated? Because I know that's, that's a new trend, that's a new thing in the trainer community, right? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things I want to make sure that we, we, we discuss and that trainers do not uh, disregard is that we have learners that have requirements. Right. Some individuals really do need to have that visual. So as trainers, we want to be careful, uh, especially there's certain classes that I, I, I truly will say in my heart that they, they really do need some type of backup material. So whether you're giving that in a workbook, a PowerPoint, a flip chart, don't miss the opportunity to provide a visual with content to some learners because their brains could be tired. Um, that's a big, that's a, it's your most important muscle and their brains are tired by the end of the day. So even though you went PowerPoint uh, without PowerPoints, at the end of the day, a learner has received so much content. It's just like at the gym or going and running a marathon. You're tired at the end, and so is, so is their brain. They're exercising. And so we have to be careful of trainers and very cognizant, especially when we notice tired brains. So maybe we do need to have a certain prepared visual or a certain exercise. Um, so I would recommend don't always disregard the visual. Yeah, and I, I certainly appreciate that. I actually just got back from a training course. So I went down to Dallas, Texas to do... So as, as a trainer at Scrum.org, we have a process to get licensed to teach courses. And so I went down for a, a two-day professional Scrum product owner course and then a day three of, of a train-the-trainer session where they do some evaluations. We do some uh, some difficult questions, some impromptu presentations just to make sure that the trainers understand the material. It's part of the PST process, which I can put a link to the show notes in if anyone's interested in seeing how that works. And maybe at some point we'll come back. Maybe Kim will interview me about what it means to become a PST. Maybe we'll do something like that because I know Absolutely. Uh, Kim's, I love it. Kim's very good at asking these deep questions that, that uh, will probably get me to reveal more than, than I normally would. So, But um, yeah, she maybe we'll do that in the future. But for 
back to the course. So I, I actually just went through a two-day course uh, as a student again, which I don't get to do very often, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I was exhausted by the end of the two days. Don McGreal uh, is one of our stewards of the professional, um, professional Scrum product owner course. He, gives, he does just a great job of mixing theory and practice and, and all these great tools and tips. And by the end of day two, I mean, I had a notebook and he actually he hands out a workbook with all all the slides and all of the activities and it's just full of notes because I knew I would be tired by the end of day 2 and I'd want to go back and remember some of these things and I was really appreciative of the fact that I had that available. You know, I have this notebook, I took some notes, I can I and the the way that I take notes, I can think back to that session uh, or part or a portion of the class, think about the activity and on the flight home I was actually able to take additional notes because I had that reference or that framing and uh, so it was super helpful. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's for me, I, I don't know what my learning style is, but I tend to do well if I have something in front of me I can take notes on. And then if I'm up and about, I can I can I'll take two minutes and journal about that. I really like having that. May I offer you some some tips on that? Please do. OK, so you just took the training. When was the training that you just took? Um, it was a week ago. A week ago. Perfect. If you can, sometime this weekend, take time to review those notes. And instead of writing the notes, use an illustration on a sticky and put a sticky with your illustration of how you perceive that information when you reread it. Okay. So for each section of your notes, have an illustration for that. I'll do that. That sounds cool. And then the next time... On your, let's say in, in your third week, summarize it on that section in three words. Okay. On a sticky and keep those stickies. And then I'd recommend going back to it again in another month. I'll check that out. And so right. is the idea there, or maybe I'll just check in with you in a month, but I would have, is this about retention? Is it about, what, what does this do? It's experiencing the learning in a different way. Uh, an example would be, so I just, I've gone through my, my CST training, uh, certified scrum training and worked with several CSTs in the community. And I actually kept a journal for each of them, not one journal. I kept a journal for each. And so every time I would do a co-training, I would keep some detailed notes, but as a learner, and you're, you're writing that down. And, and when you are writing, that does, you're, you're retaining that information more. But remember, that's one way. You also only have that two, maybe one or two days that you're working in, and you're retaining that. Then you're reading it. Now you're going back and you're actually illustrating it. You've also, what you've just done with me is you had a period where you reflect it. Then you're summarizing it. Nice. So what we've done is we're reading, we're reflecting, we're illustrating, we're summarizing. And then you're taking it and you're teaching it. You're doing a teach back. So again, you've now allowed yourself over a period of time to retain this information by applying the six times six ways. And so that illustration will help you visualize it in a different way, which will open up your creativity and as a trainer, help you grow and help you with having others be able to have different ways of th- that they can learn and, and retain that information. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. It's because um, I, I also find, you know, the six times six ways. I think that can be powerful because I think there are days where I don't want to listen to anything, and I just want to read, huh. right? And I think our our students or our learners or or who's ever in our courses, I think there's probably people like that too, where they come into the class, you know, they're just kind of checked out on the whole reading thing. So we, we got to get up and do activities to get them back engaged. And we never know which person is in which mode. And so if we're not trying six times, six different ways, we're going to leave people behind. I really like that idea because we can't know if, you know, our courses have 20, 25, 30 people sometimes. How do you gauge everybody? I mean, we can take yeah. a general check of the room and see what the energy's like and see if people are engaged, focused, and interested. But, yeah, I, I really think that's a, that's a pro tip right there. I really, really like that a lot. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'll give you another example. Is uh, I recently was uh, at a, a, a private course, and I was teaching the uh, IC Agile, Agile Team Facilitation. I call it Advance Your Facilitation. And at the end of day one, I ask everyone to journal write. And this one particular woman in my class had said, you know, honestly, that's not me and that's not how I learn. And she, she, we created such a great safe environment that she had the, um, she felt free enough to say that. And I said, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I said, don't write. Actually, in fact, I encourage everyone, if you, you have two options today. One, reflect by illustration, and so don't use any words, and illustrate your takeaways today. And she looked at me like, what? And she, uh, at the end of day two, came back and said, that was so powerful to her. She said, you know, I, I, someone read my diary when I was younger, and I really hate to write in a journal anymore. And utilizing the illustration gave me a new perspective. And so... Don't always force someone to do a journal entry. Journal is also done through illustration. Stick figures or um, however they want to do it, it's up to them. I also provide some paint so people even can paint at the end and kind of get creative with how they feel. Yeah, so an alternative, even to the journaling, something that um, I think I stole this from Stephanie Ackerman. So she's one of our, another scrum.org trainer where... I had taken a course, or I had taken her professional scrum master course, and she did a learning board. And so, mm-hmm. at the end of each section, you know, three post-its about things you want to remember, things that stood out, things that intrigued you. It could be a drawing, some notes, whatever it is. And so, by the end of the course, it was this collection because we were working in teams of you know twenty, thirty post-its of all these big ideas that then we sorted into like you know kind of a like ideas and things we want to look at now, things in the future. I thought it was an interesting way, an alternative to just, you know, five minutes of silent writing, right? Instead of just doing that over and over and over, it was this get up, engage with your group, throw a post-it on the wall, decide what you want to do with it, decide like a short and longer term plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of these trends come out. I, I think this is, a, this is an interesting way to engage people. Yeah, we use a, uh, in, in most of my classes, I think all but maybe two we use a team canvas. So they build this team canvas throughout their, their two day experience and they have inspection and adaptation moments. And it also just, it builds creativity. And then they have like a little friendly competition about who can be more creative and (laughs) colorful. And it's pretty fun. Yeah. And I, I like it just as an opportunity to get people out of their seats. Like we talked about, maybe get some water back in them, 
you know, sometimes you sit there too long, get a drink of water, shuffle your feet a bit, um, and just collaboratively come up with some interesting learnings. And yeah, I. And what Trump is that, Ryan? What Trump is that? Yeah. Um, this is moving over. It's yeah, walking over, sitting. Movement. Movement. Trumps. Movement. Trump sitting. sitting. Yep. Ah, okay. There we go. Nice. Well, and, and yeah, I we all. So many of us out there, how many, I'm sure, sat through a lecture course at some point, right? You know, exactly. 30 minutes in, my pen's down, my head's down. So I, I definitely, I, I kind of relate back to, or I try to reflect back on, you know, the typical college experience or the, even high school. You know, you're sitting for an hour in a seat as opposed to these training classes that, that you run and that others run that really get engaged and uh, up and around. And I think there's just a massive difference there. I really love these tips. Yeah, a lot of my learners, one of the first things that they'll say in classes, but we can't really apply this in our organization when we're in meetings. And I explained to them, you know, the brain is, is, is structured. It is wired. It's wired to think negatively, actually. And changing the brain structure is is really what you're doing. And so Please be patient with that. So we go in and we, we need to do subtle change when we're going in. You're not necessarily saying sit up, stand up, move. And we want to apply these techniques carefully and subtly. We don't want to over, overwhelm the sensories of our individuals that we're training. We don't want to overwhelm them when they're coming to listen to a talk. So you can do this subtly. Uh, so just remember that change in the brain takes time and the learners will retain it by sprinkling it, and that's why we use that four C's map. So it's a subtle approach and a tasteful approach so that we don't overwhelm them. Yeah, and I've actually tried to use some of these practices in meetings at work where let's just take an agenda, right? So I'll write mm-hmm. the agenda up on the board. Uh, I'll put the time box up on the board. It's, look, we have four things to talk about in 30 minutes. How, why doesn't everyone get up real quick and put a dot or two next to the most important thing we need to get out of this? And exactly. so they get up, they're engaged. Now they've made, they've contributed to the agenda. There's some co-ownership, there's co-creation. And suddenly the meeting's a little more focused because we know the first and the third item we've got it, we've got to get through. And the second and the fourth can carry over or even drop because we just didn't think it was important. And I, I think yeah. that's just a, a slight modification to a, a traditional meeting. I, you know, there are people out there that are saying, oh, just do your next meeting as lean coffee. Well, that can be, I think that's a great idea, can be a little extreme in the workplace. Yeah. Just easing into some of these co-creation, engaging types of activities, I I think can get you to where lean coffee is just the normal. Um, So, yeah, I I really like that. What else do you, what else do you do with corporations? Because I know you consult and and you, you get in and you help these companies get better with their learning and their engagement. What else can we do in our meetings tomorrow? Uh, just to to try to make them a little more engaging, a l- little better retention, and, and some better results. Here's my, my thoughts, is that you have two opportunities. You have your first and your last. You want to ha- get people connected from the beginning, and you want them to take something away at the end. So capture their attention right off the bat. And such you said, using a let's let's talk about what we want to, you know, let's get engaged right away. And then you need a powerful close. But I also recommend close five minutes early. 
always allow extra time. Everyone looks at a time box, whether it's a nine to 10 meeting, and they actually hold the meeting from nine to 10. Ensure your agenda ends five to 10 minutes early. How many, I'm sure I mean, any of the listeners, how many people find everyone running from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting? Right. Well, in the first five minutes of your meeting, people aren't present. You need to allow the brain to take a few minutes. So if you're scheduled from 9 to 10 and 10 to 11 and 11 to 12, you've already left your brain at the last meeting and you're already in the next meeting without a brain. So allow a meeting. It should really be a meeting should run from 9 to 9.45 or 9.50. Allow for time for rest. That's the biggest recommendation I have for any organization. Um, and so that would be the most powerful. Well, Kim, this is, uh, this is an area that I want to work on as a trainer. You know, I, I think in some areas I've, I've incorporated or stolen some good ideas that have led me in this path. But, um, you know, I, I need to get better at this. Uh, what are some of the next steps? I know you've got some, some training from the back of the room courses coming up. Can you tell us about those and uh, where we can go to find out more information about this? Uh, because I know there's a lot of trainers who listen to this, uh, this show, and I, you know, I think we're all in the same boat. We're always looking for better ways to serve our students. And uh, I would imagine there's going to be some interest in, in trying to get some of these new concepts into, into all of our training courses. Absolutely. And thank you. So first off, it's not really just about trainers. So anyone who speaks in front of anyone, anyone who facilitates, uh, whether they're a scrum master, a coach, even our leaders. Uh, I just did this a training from the back of the room for a group of uh, leaders in an organization. And it really is a mindset shift. It's about how can we engage others. It doesn't necessarily have to even be in a training uh, environment. And so, and then we're also, the other stance that we're taking is, folks, the world is moving virtual. Even though we truly do value that face-to-face, -face, virtually, we are going into a virtual environment where we're, we're working offshore, we're working internationally, and so we find ourselves working from home. And so we are advancing our facilitation virtually. And so uh, first off, training from the back of the room is being held May uh, 9th through the 10th in Indianapolis, right before Agile Indy, which is uh, on May 11th. And then we're going to also be doing advance your facilitation right before the uh, Cincinnati, Ohio Agile Cincy uh, conference. So I'm doing advance your facilitation. May 4th through the 5th, both are certified courses. And then I'll also be coming to the uh, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, doing both of those courses, uh, training from the back of the room May 15th through the 16th, and then advance your facilitation May 21st through the 22nd. Very cool. So I'm going to likely be at the May 9th and 10th course uh, for training uh, from the back of the room. So I'll be popping into that, and I hope some other listeners do as well. We'll get information in the show notes about how to get all signed up. Um, yep. and Sign all up through Eventbrite. Yep, so we'll get the Eventbrite link up. Um, sure, there's early bird stuff going on that we'll make sure people take advantage of. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, we'll get the information out there. So, Kim, really appreciate you talking me through this. You've actually got me thinking about even some different ideas for some of the courses that I'm going to be teaching coming up. And... Uh, so I'm, I, I now have homework. 
which is always <laughs> fun, right? So I've got to go back and rethink a few exercises, but really appreciate you doing this. Um, I like to leave this, this part of the show. So this is really for you. We just talked about some of the courses you have coming up, but how can people reach out to you? Uh, how can they continue the conversation with you? And what are some things that you'd like to get in front of them, such as like Twitter handle, LinkedIn, website, uh, anything like that, that uh, people can use to, to reach out and connect and learn more about you and the, the wonderful things that you have to teach. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Uh, so on Twitter, I am AgileBrain1. So at AgileBrain1, uh, my first and last name is Kim Brainerd. So I kind of wanted to be that corny Agile Brain kind of gal and just add it on the one, <laughs> to be quite honest, because the Agile Brain wasn't available. So and uh, my email is AgileBrainerd at gmail.com. Uh, my company is also Agile Brain. You can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Kim Brainerd. And what I'd like to leave with individuals is it takes time. And a lot of times as trainers, we, we don't take time. We don't take time for ourselves. And I've even heard a lot from trainers lately, which was surprising to me. They actually don't re- take time to reflect on their class and give back to the learners. And what I mean by that is, we should always be thanking our learners, thanking them for providing us with their presence and an opportunity to share our knowledge with them. And so as trainers, that would be one thing I would encourage everyone to do. Take time to say thank you and take time to reflect on your class because we actually really need to ensure that reflection is, is taking time and, and we can keep improving. Cool. I, I think that's awesome. It's something that uh, that we can all do and get better at. And uh, I think it's a great place to leave it. So, Kim, again, thank you for sharing your Saturday with me. Really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. And, and what everyone doesn't know is I got to see your wonderful family and <laughs> wave hello to them. So thank yes. you. The kids invaded. And uh, yes, my my one year old daughter, almost two, uh, got to got to talk to Kim for a few minutes. So that's always fun. But uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. It's it's always great to catch up. I think we're going to be catching up here in a few weeks, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, yes. maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll record again. We'll turn the tables and let you do the interview. I I can't wait, Ryan. I think <laughs> it, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I think we should just go ahead and get that scheduled, and all the Agile for Humans listeners can see what it's like to have Ryan Ripley on the other side of the mic. I, I'm looking forward to it. So again, thanks, Kim, and thanks to the listeners out there. I hope everyone has a great night. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.